0: If you have your Bible, I want to read with us tonight. We're going to be reading out of 1 Samuel, chapter number 4. We'll begin reading with verse number 15. Testifying after Brother Clint got through preaching the other night, I somehow uh, got on this story that <clears throat> how that God had changed me, in the study one evening, told me that Anthony and uh, Heather would be coming to church and they had a baby together, Tyler, and that I was to pray for him i tell you, uh, God is a God of wonders. I was uh, I was called uh, by Sarah. I used to know her as Sarah Blackburn. I don't know what her last name is now, but uh, the Blackburn family used to attend this church years ago, and I was called by Sarah. She's 32 years old now. She was probably 15 at the time that I last seen her. We took her to youth camp uh, with us. And she's just a... A very young teenage girl but uh, she's a mom of her own and got children her aunt died and she called and asked for would I do the funeral and I, I thank God that in that family as bad as it is and I tell you it's not that they're bad people they're just in, they're just heaped in bad sin and uh, that there's a sliver of hope if God can just get a a little crack in the door. Like Brother Daniel was saying, to shine the light, somebody can, can get saved. And she called me up, and I I prayed, and I said, Lord, what what in the world? I don't know this lady, but I, I know some of the people here at this funeral's really going to need to hear a message, not just your average run-of-mill funeral message, but I want you to say something to them and help them. God took me back to the text that he gave me the night that Anthony and Heather came and I prayed uh, for Tyler. And out of that was born a message and I want to preach that message. Uh, not what I preached at the funeral. I told Brother Daniel, I didn't even preach like a pastor. I ought to be officiating a funeral. I preached in that funeral like you preach in a rehab center. I got right down, nitty gritty. I talked really plain to him. And uh, believe it or not, Sarah's dad in the funeral, or a- after the funeral, come up with tears in his eyes and put his arm around me and pulled me up close and hugged me and he said, if ever God spoke to a man about a family, talked to us and gave us a message we needed to hear, he said, man, that was, that was much needed. And he said, you gonna see me at your church. He said, I, I'm coming. He said, I, I, I appreciate you willing to, to preach the truth in a setting like this. So it was his sister that had passed away. So uh, anyway, God, God did work. God did move. And I, I believe he wants me to preach this tonight. I expounded on it, and God showed me a lot of truth in it that pertained to the church, not just the lost. 1 Samuel chapter number 4, beginning with verse 15. Now Eli was 90 and 8 years old, and his eyes were dim that he could not see. The man said unto Eli, I am he that came out of the army, and I fled today out of the army. And he said, What is there done, my son? And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled before the Philistines, and there hath been also a great slaughter among the people. Thy two sons also, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead. The ark of God is taken. And it came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck broke, and he died. For he was an old man and heavy. And he judged Israel 40 years. and His daughter-in-law, Phinehas' his wife, was with child, near to be delivered. And when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the women that stood by her said, "'Fear not, for thou was born a son.' But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, "'The glory is departed from Israel "'because the ark of God was taken "'because of her father-in-law and her husband.' And she said, "'The glory is departed from Israel, The ark of God is taken. I I title the message this, Is There Any Hope for Me? Is there any hope for me? Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray you'll speak to us through the word by your Holy Spirit. I ask you, Lord, for your touch upon my life to deliver what you've put in my heart for this service tonight. I pray, God, every eye will see and every ear hear what the Spirit of God would reveal to us through the text tonight. God, touch us around this altar. There are many needs represented in this house, and you're a God who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or even think. You're a God of miracles. You're a God of signs and wonders. Touch us and help us. Tonight is our prayer, and we ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. So good to see Sister Hannah and Brother Taylor come in tonight. Amen. There's an awful backdrop to this story that I read and you're hearing tonight. Eli is the high priest of Israel. All it tells us in our text is that he's an old man and he's heavy, that his eyes are dim. He's 98 years old, but the backdrop to the story is that he is indeed the high priest of Israel and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, served with him in ministry in the office of a priest underneath him. The Bible said that they were wicked men, men of Belial. They slept with women, the Bible said, that gathered in the very door of the tabernacle, if you can imagine that. That, that was the kinds of things that happened in pagan temples. If you went to the temple of Diana, you would have seen an image of Diana who was a pagan god A god of fertility, harlots would lie at the very door of the temple and men would lie with those harlots uh, as they honored uh, a god of fertility. Uh, She was a sexual, provocative goddess. If you ask me, it would have been a goddess of lust and perversion. And that had made its way. from pagan practice into the hearts of Eli's two boys and they would lay with women that gathered at the door of the tabernacle. And Eli heard about it and all he did was very gently rebuke them and the Bible said that he didn't do anything to stop it. Eli was also taking more of the offerings. That was allowed by the law. His sons would come to the people before they put their offering in a seething pot before it was ever placed upon the altar. The law of Moses said that there would be a provision for the priest. They would take a three-pronged fork after the meat had seethed in the pot and that they would strike the offering and whatever came out on the hook. That was the priest's portion. But Eli's two sons would take the choicest of the offering, and they would want it for themselves. They would cut off the choicest meat. They would cut off the fat. They'd say, hey, why don't you just back off, and you get what's in the seed of the pot. You let us offer this on the altar unto God what's rightfully his, what he desires, what he's asked for according to the law. And then you can do with it whatever you want to do with it after we offer it to God. And they said, we're going to take our portion now. And if you don't give it, we're going to take it by force. And the Bible said that when they'd done so, they made the people abhor the offering of the Lord. They made people hate to come to the house of God and give to God in worship because the ministry was corrupt. That's right. So God sent a man of God to He's an unnamed prophet to prophesy against the house of Eli. That he would judge Eli and all of his house, and there would be none left in his house forever. He would take his name out from among the ministry and the priesthood, that he would judge them for their wickedness. Now, as an outsider looking in, you'd have to say, when you look at Eli when you look at his two boys, when you look at the fact that people hated coming to church, hated giving in the offering, hated worshiping God because of all that was going on in the house of God, you would have to say, man, that is a mess. I mean, the whole thing's just a a mess. You've said that before. I have too. I've looked at churches that, God has had to judge because of sin, sin in the pulpit, sin in the pew, and the thing just come unraveled. It's just taken over by sin. Before you know it, it's just not a church anymore. Somebody tells you how it all happened and how it all unfolded. The more you hear, you just say, man, what a mess. Sometimes it takes years for that to unravel. The nation of Israel was a mess, spiritually, the Ministry as a whole was a mess spiritually. He was the high priest; his sons served under him in the tabernacle as priests uh, under God. I mean, the whole, uh, uh, the way Isaiah desc- God des- described it, Isaiah, he said the whole body is sick, right. from the head all the way down. It's full of putrefying sores. Uh, and nobody has bound up the sores uh, or mollified them with ointment. The whole thing is sick. It was, it was a mess from the ministry to the entirety of the nation. And if you go back to our original text, no wonder Phinehas's wife, this young girl, this young lady, she's the wife of a corrupt priest. She's the daughter-in-law of a pitiful high priest, and she is now at the, at the thought of my father-in-law's dead, my husband is dead, and now the ark of God has been lost in war. No wonder it triggered childbirth. And the Bible said that she was dying in her childbirth, no doubt hemorrhaging due to some type of complication. And the women that were with her helping her give birth to the child said You know, take comfort. Everything's going to be all right. You are delivering a son. The Bible says she took no comfort in it. And all she uttered was call his name Ichabod for the glory of the Lord has departed Israel because the ark has been taken. The only problem was that that wasn't true. It was true that her father-in-law was dead it was true that her husband and her brother-in-law were dead. It was true that the ark of God had been taken and that they had lost the battle against the Philistines, but the part that wasn't true was that the glory of God has departed from Israel. God had not gone anywhere. As a matter of fact, while Eli was soft on sin, while Hophni and Phinehas were lying with women at the door of the tabernacle, while all of Israel hated to go to the house of the Lord and give an offering or worship God as a result thereof, God was stirring up Hannah to pray. Before the ark had ever been lost, God was stirring people's hearts to pray. That's right. Somebody else could view it from afar off and say, Lord, we're in a mess. This whole thing is a mess. I, I just view it that way myself today. Whole thing's a mess, Lord. We look at leadership in the church that for years, for generations, have been more concerned about uh, the number of heads uh, than the condition of the heart. Right. That have been more concerned about uh, how much they get in an offering. Right. Hey, folk, I don't even care when when I go somewhere. I'm gonna be honest with you. are expenses to go. Uh, some places if you gotta fly. Other places uh, if you don't fly. By the time you get through driving there, it costs you near about as much in gas as it would to fly. So there's expenses if you have to stay in a hotel or whatever, if you have to eat there and on the way and all that stuff. But I don't care. I, I've, I've went some places and gave an offering to the pastor. Yes. yes. The pastor, they took me up an offering. The pastor would give me the offering. And while he was giving me the offering, he would tell me how bad he had. While he's still got the check in his hand, tell me how, how poor the church was and how they just didn't have it to give. And I'm just say, well, you keep it. You keep the offer. Just take it and, and, and try to be a blessing to them. I, I've done that, but we care more about all of that stuff than we have the condition of men. I, I want to tell you what's in the White House now I believe is a direct reflection of what's been in the church house. I know that's disheartening to say, but it never could have been so in the White House if it wasn't also in God's house. That's just the the reality of it. But if you view it from afar, I know God has a people. And God is always gonna have a people but if you view the whole thing as a far, you'd have to say with me tonight uh, from the White House to, to even to God's house where a lot of churches are concerned, Lord, uh, we're in a mess. Yeah. This whole thing's in disarray. It's just a, a mess down here. Yeah. What are we going to do about it? Uh, and, and God is speaking to my heart. He, he spoke to me about that family, but then he spoke to me about the church and Is there any hope where God's people are concerned? Is there any hope where my family is concerned? I got my own thoughts and ideas about America. I I don't believe God is a respecter of persons. I don't believe God's a respecter of nations. If God allowed Israel to be punished for her sins, you can believe he's going to allow America to be punished for her sin, I'm not gonna get too deep into that. I am a patriot and I love my country and I'm praying against that very thing. I'm praying against judgment. I'm praying for for mercy, but I wanna deal with us tonight. God had not gone anywhere. He was, while all of this was being played out, while the whole thing is is a mess, yet God is still there and yet God is still moving and even though leadership is in a mess and even though the house of God is in a mess uh, he is stirring Hannah's heart to pray to pray for what? Uh, a man child Lord, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. I'll raise him in holiness. I'll raise him in righteousness. I'll raise him in purity. And when I wean him, I will give him to the house of the Lord. Oh my, what faith it takes to leave her son in the hands of corrupt ministry. She's leaving her son in, in, under the tutelage of Eli who has raised up two sons of Belial, men who are known, I don't know what you'd call them, fornicators, yeah. adulterers. Yeah. They're known to be that. You imagine leaving your baby boy, knowing that that's what the house of God, she in her mind is not giving him to Eli. She's not giving him the half and Phinehas. She is giving her son over to Jehovah. That's right. yes. God Almighty, the righteous and the Holy One of Israel. She indeed does that. And God began to speak to him at a very young age. And God raised Samuel up. And the Bible said, made him a prophet. And that not one word that Samuel ever spoke Did God let one word fall to the ground? Meaning everything Samuel said, God brought it to pass. He was a man of God. While all this is going on, God is stirring Hannah's heart to pray. He's then raising up Samuel right there in the midst of all of that corruption. God is raising up a prophet indeed. All that gives me hope. You can't pass judgment on an entire denomination. You can't pass judgment uh, on an entire church body. If the pastor's gone bad, you can't judge or write off uh, that whole denomination. Well, they go to so-and-so's church. Uh, All them's going to hell. Probably not. Probably not, because right in the middle of all this mess, right in Eli's house, uh, he's raising up uh, a true prophet. Somebody said, Look at his boys. Uh, Look at his life. He's grown soft uh, in his old age. He won't rebuke sin. He's eating offering that don't belong to him. Uh, Oh, I wouldn't let my boy be raised in that house. She gave him to God and left the end results to God. God's raising Samuel up, not Eli. He was then under Samuel's tutelage and under Samuel's hand, God would raise up David as a young boy to take the place of a backslidden king, King Saul. So even though things may look to be a mess on the surface, you've got Saul who was a backslidden king. You've got Eli who's in pitiful shape. You've got those two sons of his. God's still moving. God's still working. You don't have to. Name that boy if you could speak to that young girl. You don't have to name that boy Ichabod because God hasn't left. God is still here. That's right. Glorious days are ahead. She just couldn't see it. And I want to tell you the rapture is upon us and, and God is coming back after a glorious church. Yeah. He said on the last days, say said, God, I'll... Pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. That's right. Glorious days uh, are still ahead, but some can't see it. I haven't resigned to give in to the darkness. That's right. I haven't. I haven't resigned that there's no hope for the church. We can't have revival. Look at the shape the world's in. The world don't have anything to do with the church. Seeing God's hand move, not one thing at all. The harlot can't stop me from praying. Corruption and leadership. Samuel would tell you, what's that got to do with God talking to you? Corruption and leadership, he's right there in Eli's house. It's probably been years since Eli's heard the voice of God, but Samuel's in that house, and Sa- Eli's in one bedroom, Samuel's in another, and Samuel can hear God, and Eli can't. Yes. Come on, good preaching. Good preacher. I'll never forget years ago I was staying at Mom's house. We were living for God, my sister wasn't. I was laying on the couch, Kim and the babies were in one bed. I think one, one of them sleeping with mom and dad, one with Kim and I was in there on the couch asleep. I, before I went to bed, I can remember pacing the floor, pacing the floor, praying, talking to God, speaking in tongues, got tired, laid down, went to sleep, sound asleep, my sister came in Sometime wee hours of the morning, slipped in, went back to her, her bedroom, and I don't know what time it was, about three, three o'clock in the morning, I hear screaming and hollering and crying. She's waking me up, wake up, wake up, wake up. I said, what's wrong? What is it? What's happening? She said, the devil came to me in the bedroom, tried to kill me. I said, what do you mean? She said, I went in the bedroom, I laid down to go to bed, I turned the light off. And as I was laying there with my eyes closed, she said, I felt the weight of somebody's body like it got on the bed. And she said, before I could move or scream or do anything, it had leaped up on top of me. Felt like two knees pressed against my shoulders And two hands wrapped around my throat and I couldn't breathe and I couldn't scream and I couldn't say anything. She said, but in my mind, I was begging God to help me. And she said, I was able to squeeze out a whisper and I whispered Jesus. She said, it lifted off of me and it was gone. She said, and I leaped out of bed and ran down the hallway and shook you to wake you up. She said, I want you to go in my bedroom. I want you to pray. Whatever's in there, I want you to make it leave. I said, has it ever dawned on you that I'm in the living room laying on the couch sleeping like a baby? And you're, I don't know, 20 yards down the hallway, from me, and can't sleep a week. I said, I, I can't make the devil eat. The Bible said that, that a man that don't have any control over his own spirit is like a city without walls. The devil comes and goes when he wants to. That's right. That's it. He, he's, he's Lord of your house. Yeah. He, he rules in your house. That's his house. That's his domain. You're living in his kingdom. Jesus told the Pharisees that that he was their father. That's rough. They're worshiping Jehovah in the house of God. Jesus said, Satan's your father. No wonder they want to crucify But I told her, I said, I can't make him leave. She said, what do you mean you can't make him leave? I said, I can pray all in this room. I can anoint all the walls and the door with oil. And I can rebuke him in the name of Jesus. But when I walk out of here and go back in there and lay down on that couch, he can come right back in here and sit down on your chest again because you're not born again. He can do what he wants with your life. I said, don't you know it's time to get saved? I'm telling you, right in the house of Eli, God's speaking in one bedroom and Eli can't hear him in the next. I wanna tell you, God's talking. That's right. Some people don't hear him, but God's talking. Yeah. God's always talking. That's right. When the Holy Ghost came to this earth, I wanna tell you, he came talking As soon as he descended upon the church, uh, they were speaking in other tongues. uh, Meaning God was talking and he's still talking to those uh, that belong to him. To those that are of the household of faith. Glorious days were ahead but that girl couldn't see it. All she could see was corruption. All she knew was present day judgment was at hand. She didn't realize mercy was also a part of God's plan. Listen to Jeremiah 29. You know this text as well as I do in verse eight. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners uh, that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which you caused to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord, for thus saith the Lord that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end then shall you call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart and I will be found of you, saith the Lord and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord and I will bring you again into the place Whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Uh, God spoke that through Jeremiah to a corrupt uh, ministry, to a corrupt and sinful people and nation. And it was Daniel and and Hanani and Mishael and Azariah, those three friends that we called the three Hebrew boys, they were carried away into Babylonian captivity just teenage boys, but Daniel, an old man in his late 80s, uh, read the word of the prophet Jeremiah that after 70 years, uh, I've caused you to return. He, he, was, uh, he, he had lived long enough to see the fulfillment uh, of God's prophecy on both ends. Uh, he saw judgment, uh, but he also saw glory. Right. Hallelujah. Do you realize uh, that you and I Of the modern day Daniels. We've lived long enough now. To see the judgment of God. Come to the earth. But I'm telling you. We're going to also live long enough. To see glory. Glory. Going to see God's glory. I'm not going to write off uh, yeah. this generation. Yeah. I'm not going to write off my children yeah. as Ichabod. There's no hope for you. There's no help for you. The glory of God's gone. God hasn't gone anywhere. He's right here. Amen. God's talking. God's stirring. God's moving. You can be an Eli. You can be a Hophni, a Phinehas. Or you can be a Hannah. You can be a Samuel. You can be a David. You can be what you want to be in God. Listen, he said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. The word, think there in the Hebrew is the word plan. I know the plans that I have for you. God always had a plan. From the very start, he said it was a good plan, not an evil plan. Do you know the devil's got a plan too? One that's an evil plan and not a good plan. Jesus revealed what the devil's plan was. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, but I've come that you might have a life, have it more abundant. We can't eat at the devil's table and then drink from the Lord's cup. Say it. Say it. Brother Clint made the statement Sunday night, you can't live wrong and then die right. Yeah. But we can't eat at the devil's table and at the same time drink from the Lord's cup. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devil's. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. 2 Corinthians chapter six and verse fourteen. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath light or, or what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Where it will come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. I'm just trying to tell you, in the midst of a mess, God has a plan. In the midst of this mess, uh, there is hope. I'm not writing my children or grandchildren off as Ichabod. I won't leave a world without hope. Uh, I won't Uh, preach to a church uh, that has no hope. Uh, I won't do it because it's not God's word and that's not God's plan. When you view the cross, what do you see? Somebody said, when I view the cross, I see death. The Catholics still got it pinned on there. You see a Catholic crucifixion, Jesus is on it. You see a Protestant cross, there ain't no Christ on it. He's not dead. He's alive. That's right. When you see the cross, what do you see? Somebody says, I see death. Correct, you are, but not death to Christ. He's risen. He's alive. When I see the cross, it represents death to self and death to sin. Yes. That is and always will be God's plan. That's right. Death to self and death to sin. The cross was God's judgment on sin. But that's not all we see when we see the cross. We see mercy for the sinner. The cross is God's judgment of sin. But it's not God's condemnation of the sinner. We see judgment of sin and right on the flip side we see mercy and hope and grace and eternal life. You can look at the cross and cry Ichabod if you want to or you can look at the cross and say that's my hope. The cross says to the sinner you have to die. The cross says to the sinner, except you repent, you'll perish. But the cross says to the sinner, if you'll kneel at the feet of Jesus, if you'll die to your own life, you can live under him. Good preaching. Good preaching. Repentance under God is death under sin. And the mercy of God is the newness of life in Christ. It's eternal life in Jesus. Somebody viewed Calvary. And the distinct or the dysfunction of the disciples and said, what a mess. What a mess. A man that said God was his father. A man that said he was the savior of the world, the light of the world. A man that had all power, but Could not save himself. They slew him and hung him at Calvary. His disciples have all disbanded and they've become disheartened. And maybe at the very point of giving up in unbelief. All of that three and a half years of ministry, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils. uh, Cleansing of the, there were two cleansings of the temple, one at the beginning and one at the end. That's another message. Yeah. Two cleansings. One at the beginning and one at the end. Right. But it's all for naught. He's dead. And they've disbanded. What a mess. What a mess. I want to tell you it may look like a mess on the surface uh, but Calvary was always God's plan yes. right. Calvary was always God's plan there was no Ichabod yeah. at Calvary Say it. because he was not God's plan oh. there's no Ichabod born at Calvary but rather sin and death had to give way a new hope God's not gone he's not left three days later they seen the risen Christ I want to tell you what was in God's plan is that from the time of the resurrection he was seen from that day 40 days upon the earth they tarried 10 days But 50 days, 50 days later, after the resurrection of Christ, Pentecost was always in God's plan. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, I'm going to give you another comforter and he shall abide with you forever. Do you know that God (laughs) renounced Ichabod on that day? The day that the, 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 the Holy Ghost fell. On the day of Pentecost, God renounced uh, there ever be an Ichabod. Yeah. He said, as long as the earth is, uh, he will abide. Yeah. Yeah. He will abide. We sing the song, he abides, uh, he abides. Uh, hallelujah, he abides. How do I know he abides? Is because God said he would never leave me. Right. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. You can't write this generation off. You can't write the ministry off. You can't write an entire denomination or even a church body off because the pastor's gone rotten. There's somebody in that house that God's going to talk to. There's somebody in that house God is going to raise them up. Good. If the minister's corrupt, he'll raise them up in that house and send them out. Yeah. I ain't saying they'll become what the head is. I'm just telling you, you can't write all the people off because the pastor ain't right. You can't write all the churches off. that has got AG on the sign. or write all the churches off. that has got Church of God on the sign because the leadership in a national office has gone corrupt. You can't do it. God hasn't done it. Is there any hope for me? The Bible says there is. Yeah, yeah. Good preaching. I preached at funeral Monday. I knew a little bit about what it could be like or might be like. Sister Sharon told me weeks back she had met a young lady that The story went back way back when Chance was a little boy. Getting rid of some of his stuff and met a young mother and giving him a backpack or giving her a backpack, a bunch of Chance's stuff, clothes, shoes, backpacks. She run into that girl again, Piggly Wiggly or somewhere. They recognized one another. Got She said, I'm just cleaning my it out and I run across that backpack I had your son's name on the back of it chant and I thought about you and I thought about you talking to me about the Lord and I thought about what a mess my life's in and about how I need God. She said here it is the next day I I, I'm, I meet you and they were talking about that so sharing a Bible to church and she hadn't been yet and I was telling her, I said, and I asked her the other Sunday night, I said, you remember Sarah Blackburn? I don't know if she could remember back that far to know who I was talking about. I, I said, anyway, I said, Sarah's aunt died. I said, uh, you know, it, it, the situation in which they left the church was a mess. Bad mess, sinful mess. And I said, just pray for me, it, it, it'll probably be interesting. She said, that girl I was telling you about, that's her mama that died. She said, you preached her dad's funeral. I faintly, faintly remember that. I remember going to his house praying for him and him, you know, on his deathbed asking God to save him and me preaching the funeral, but faintly remember anything about it. And uh, she said, now that's, that's her mama. So her and Sarah were cousins. you talking about it. Small world. Talking about in a mess, God giving a family a sliver of hope. Yes. Anyway, I I went. I was just standing there next to the next to the casket, a little ways apart from it. All of a sudden, I'm looking at my Bible, looking over the obituary, thinking how I'm going to do the order of service. I hear a bunch of commotion going on. And one, Danielle brings a, her son's girlfriend. Listen, they're, they're all on meth. I'm just gonna be honest with you, okay? Everyone, Sarah wasn't, her husband wasn't. There's a few there, so there's dad. There's a few on up in age that were just friends, very few. But the majority of them, if there 50 of them there, I'd have said 30 of them were we're all on oh meth. Rough. Shriveled up. That's part of the deal. Shriveled up, dried up, dingy, oily, greasy, dirty, nasty sores on them. It. They, they look the part. I heard screaming and hollering and cussing. I turn and look, and one of Danielle's cousins has got that son's girlfriend by the hair of the head. The son's girlfriend had slept with Danielle's cousin's husband. Danielle's cousin said, "I told you not to bring her to this funeral. That if I got around that girl, seen her, I was going to beat her face in." And that's the G-rated version of what was being said. It was every. It's in front of the casket, right there. She had her by the hair of the head. I'm telling you, pulling as many strands out as she could pull out. And the other arm could have been, would have been, They had the family had her other arm, but if they would have let go of it, I'm telling you, she had her by the hair of the head. Her design was to beat that girl's face in, and she could have too. Danielle's cousin is rough and tough she got a long reputation, I've known her a long time. It wouldn't have been her first, probably won't be her last. It was awful, I mean every foul, ungodly word you could imagine was being spewed. They went outside and they called the cops and the cops come up, everything else. I'm looking back over my text and this was my text. And this was, the title of my message, is there any hope? I said, God, if you ever gave me the perfect message, this is a mess. I just didn't even try to act like a pastor. I just acted like I was preaching in a rehab. I told them, you in a mess, all of you. Your family's in a mess. I said, look at what happened. Your fists punching and hair pulling and letting foul words fly. I said, Sarah, the Miss Teresa raised her like a mom, but that was Sarah's dad's sister. I said, she's paid for this funeral. She's the one paid for this funeral. She's trying to give her aunt that she loved like a mom some Decency and dignity, put her body to rest and asked me to to call and let's honor her life. Look at you. You're in a mess. I told him, You dried up and shriveled up and ate up with sin. Sin. And I told him, This is not the first funeral I preached. Where the majority of you are hooked and bound in your addicts and your life is a mess. I talked about that young girl named my baby Ichabod. There's no glory, there's no God, there's no help, there's no hope. And I said, that's a lie. Yeah. I said, even in your fussing, even in your cussing, even in your hating each other, even in your bound-up addiction standing here or sitting here shriveled up cankered up ate up with sin even here God is here I'm telling you they were even grabbing them chairs sitting on them little old up here home chairs they grabbing the bottom of them chairs under conviction tears were running down their face. I told if you leave here with no help today, it's your own fault, because you believe the lie of the devil. But if you'll let him, he'll pull you up out of that pit you're in. He'll pull you up out of your despair, pull you up out of your despondency, pull you up out of that place of prayerlessness, pull you up out of that, out of that deep cave of no devotion and no worship. And no love and no time with God. He'll pull you up and he'll pull you out and he'll shine his marvelous light on you. He'll deliver you. He'll save you. He'll restore you. But you've got to ask him. God said that's my message to the sinner. That's my message to the church. You got hope. You got help. I'm it if you'll believe me for it there's glorious days ahead God ain't interested if it's Trump or Biden in the White House that's not a part of God's plan amen Jesus is going to sit on the throne King of kings and Lord of lords and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and the church is going to reign and rule with him. I'm not interested in who's saying what in Washington. I'm like Samuel. I'm interested in hearing his voice. Speak Lord for thy servant heareth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hear me, saith God, in this late hour in which you live. And know that this hour is very late. And know that you live in gross darkness. For the earth has grown corrupt. For men's heart have become violent and wicked and evil. And the darkness has engrossed them. This is not my plan for you, saith God. You're not children of the night. You do not walk in darkness. You're children of the day in the light for I am your light and my light is shining upon you in this dark hour, said God. You are my hope. You are my help. You are my deliverance to those who are bound, to those who walk in darkness. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. I called you in this hour to arise and shine, saith the Lord. For the help and the strength of my countenance is upon you. You have my word and my promise that I will not leave you, that I will not forsake you. Know that you are not alone, for I am in your midst, and I will not fail you in this hour. You will see my glory and I will rapture you in my power, saith God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to meet me in this altar tonight. I want you to denounce the notion that Ichabod even exists. I refuse. I refuse to be labeled an Ichabod generation I refuse to believe that Ichabod is that he even exists. God is in our midst. And I want to see his glory. I want to see his glory. Amen. Come on, many as well. Let's fill this altar up tonight. If you have a need in your life. You need to be saved. He's here tonight as a savior. If you need to be healed in your body, I'm a living testimony that my God is a healer. He'll put his hand upon you. He'll, he'll restore health to your body. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that promise. It's unto you, it's unto your children. It's unto all them that are far off, even unto as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's as real tonight as it ever was. The Lord's here in our midst tonight. He'll help you. He'll ask you for me. Is there any hope for me? Is there any help for me? Is there any help for my baby? His or her generation, my grandchildren? The answer is yes. Hallelujah. Jesus is not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's not going to leave us or forsake us. He's in this house tonight. I'm not going anywhere. Hallelujah to God. I'm not going anywhere, Taylor. Hallelujah to God. If you'll ask him, he'll reveal himself to you. He'll reveal his glory and his power to you.